open your Bibles with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's so important that you hear what I share. Today I'm going to preach on two secrets, the two secrets to being happy, even when you're in overwhelming situations. Anybody can be happy when everything's right. But we're not called to reflect the times that we're living in. We are the people of God. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it's this amazing, famous verse. Time is what God allows so everything doesn't happen to us all at once. And that's why the scripture said there's a, to everything there's a time and there's a season, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to pluck, a time to plant. And he goes on and on, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to, 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 to dance, a time to mourn, a time to cast away together, a time to refrain, a time to embrace, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to silence, a time to speak, a time to love. It's like the pendulum is swinging back and forth, high and low, laughter, mourning, joy, brokenness. And it's just, this is life. This is the world that we live in. And it's always this. It's never going to be perfect situations. If you're over here, you're going to swing over here. And if you're over here, hold on, baby, you're going to swing back over here. God won't leave you over there forever. I promise you, he won't leave you over there. Hallelujah. But then verse 11 said, he makes everything that both sides, he makes everything beautiful in its time. And then verse 12, now you got all kinds of chaos going on in life. But he said, I know there's something that I know. There's something that I know. There's no question. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of going back and forth. But he said, this is what I know, that nothing is better for them to rejoice and do good in their lives. It is also every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all the labor. It is the gift of God. Verse 12, listen to it. There's nothing better for them. Sometimes we complicate the Christian life. Sometimes we just add on this and that and this and that. But here it is. He said, if you want the secret to living a Happy life, the best life you can live while everything is going back and forth and up and down days. He said, here's what you are to do if you believe in God is you are to rejoice and do good. Rejoice and do good. There's a lot going on in this world, a lot going on in this nation very complicated signs of the times, men's hearts failing them for fear. In my new book, I talk about being overwhelmed and 
how that the feeling of being overwhelmed has hit almost every family, every person that I talk to. That we can still be overcomers even though we feel overwhelmed at times. We're called to be overcomers even when we're overwhelmed, even when it's hidden from every direction. It's not complicated to God what's going on in our world. God is not biting his fingernails. God is not out of control. God is still in control. God said, I will have my church in my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So relax. You're not the defender of the whole world. <laughs> You're not a Marvel character. Come on. Social issues, medical issues, financial issues, educational issues. And on top of that, a high technological world where millions and millions of voices are turned into a big stew of attacks and comments and opinions. And it's like Satan is up there just stirring the whole thing and everybody's throwing in their little, what's that stuff that the Cajuns eat? The jumbo juice and everything. They pour, they throw everything in there but the kitchen sink and put some shrimp in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and that's it. it the, aren't you just sick of all the stuff? I tell you, there's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. And I just heard the Lord this week say, beware, beware. Don't be caught up in the drama. When I go, I, 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 I'm like you, I get, I, get, I get aggravated, I get this, that, the other, I get all amped up, and then I go get with the Lord. And he says to me, what did I put you on this earth to do? Well, rejoice and do good. He said, would you get back to your assignment now that you've had a panic attack and fits? Would you just calm down and realize that I am God and I am so in control. I know exactly what you don't know and I know what I'm doing. I tell you one thing, the main thing in God's agenda is he's going to have him a people and he's going to have him a church. And that's why the Bible said in 2 Corinthians that we are to beware. Paul said, I fear lest that by any means the serpent, as, as the serpent beguiled Eve, that you with his, soul, with his craftiness, so that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I'm telling you, that little phrase right there came up in my soul. If you'll put the Word of God in you when you need it, the Lord will use it. And I heard the Lord say, get back to the simplicity of having and knowing Jesus Christ. And you won't go around negative and you won't go around having headline hysteria and you will not go around being all upset and ticked off and mad at everybody and even come to church with a chip on your shoulder. The simplicity of Christ means I know I am saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I have a home in another world where there is no sorrow pain. I believe this to my core. Yeah. 
And so when you feel overwhelmed, get back to the simplicity. Don't let the enemy with craftiness get in your minds and corrupt you from the simplicity of the joy of walking and talking and worshiping and praising and working and shining light and reaching people and loving people for Jesus Christ. The simplicity of Christ can bring joy to you even if there's tragedy going on in your life. The simplicity of God loves me. Jesus died for me. Rose conquered the grave, conquered death. What can you do to me, sting of death? What can you do to me, burial place. Not one thing. I'll be alive because I have eternal life in Jesus Christ and my sins are gone. Hallelujah. I need somebody to rejoice just a minute. Rejoice in a world of sorrow, in a world that's confused, in a world of controversy, schisms and schisms and all this stuff stirring around us. God says, let's make it real simple. I need you to do two things. Rejoice and do good. That's it. Because I'm going to have me a people who are going to do those two things. Luke 19 and verse 10 said, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. There's another kingdom coming to this world. And when that kingdom comes, the Bible said... (laughs) That if you're living right and you're learning this book and you're growing up and you're going through trials and suffering and it's purifying you and you're getting more and more and more like Jesus, he said, there are certain people that I'm going, when I, when I set up my kingdom on earth, see, we're not under the Lord. Right now, this is man's kingdom. But when Jesus comes again, he's going to set up his kingdom. And he said, I'll put some, this is in Matthew 25, I'll put some of you over five cities. I'll put some of you over 10 cities. Then we're gonna fix it all. We're gonna be on. We're gonna. We're gonna be on every. We're gonna be into everything. We're gonna get it right. You say, I don't I look around and say, you. You really. You really need to understand. One day, a new kingdom is coming to America. A new kingdom is coming to Africa and Europe. A new kingdom is coming to Russia and China and the Middle East and Iran and Iraq. There's evil kingdoms all over the world, but Jesus Christ is King of Kings. Somebody praise Him and rejoice if you believe that. Our kingdom, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 gives three things. He just takes a complicated thing and says, what is it that God requires? What does he want from me? Uh, What what does he want? He says, I'm going to give you the three things that God wants from you. He said, this is what it is. Because he says in the previous verses, if you want a thousand sacrifices, I'll send you a thousand, I'll bring a thousand lambs. If you want me to offer you my firstborn in service to the kingdom, I'll bring them and leave them and walk away from the God. What do you want? He said, I'm going to tell you what I want. He said, I want you, this is what the Lord requires. Number one, I want you to do justly. Number two, I want you to love mercy. And number three, I want you to walk humbly before your God. Do justly means do good. I want you to do good. I want you to love mercy. That means you, you do good in the eyes of God. 
and then you, you love mercy, that means you extend it to your fellow man. You, 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 you don't become someone judgmental and mean and ugly and because people don't see like you see. But he said, I need you to do, do good, do justly, just is good, do good before God and to love mercy. You just love mercy. I'm going to show them mercy again, show them mercy again, show them mercy again. And then the last one's important because you get to thinking you really, you, I need, I'm, I, I, and walk humbly. <laughs> Isn't that a big one? Walk humbly with your God. Do justly, do good, love mercy, just keep dishing it out, just keep forgiving people, just keep loving people, just keep pouring into people. Just keep being sweet even when they're ugly. Just, just keep on. Just show them mercy and then walk humbly. God, help us. This, that's it. That's what he requires. He says, you can keep your thousand sheep. I don't want them. They're messy. I want this out of you. Do good. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Don't forget where I brought you from. Don't forget you, you are so ugly to people who don't know Jesus, but you were just like them, and you still are in a lot of ways. That's why you have to have a little bit of humility in your Christianity that you don't ever get sitting up on a, on a horse or up on a high seat looking down on everybody, but you have to walk humbly because you remember if it were not for the Lord on my side, where would I be? so crazy that the king of kings says I'm going to have me a people and they're going to love me no matter how overwhelming the times become and all I want out of them is to rejoice and to do good what does that mean he's saying there's a time to fight there's a time to weep there's a time to mourn and that's all this is so important there is a time to fight there is a time to stand up there is a time to mourn there is a time I, this is crazy it said there's a time to hate well what do we hate we hate sin we don't ever hate people but we hate sin and there and there ought to be a righteous indignation that says i hate evil i hate what it does to children i hate children being abused. I hate seeing what hell is. I hate divorce. God hates it. I hate it. Not the people, but the divorce and what it does. And we have to get, a, we think that serving God, we're supposed to just get along and just ignore everything. No, we're supposed, but, but then he says, let the pendulum swing back. There's a time to love. There's a time to hate. There's a time to love. And somewhere you got to find that. And I guess what I'm trying to say is the Lord says, it's time to come up for air. <laughs> because in America, we got this, we got that. Every day, every week is something new. And if you're going to be on pins and needles and into it, no, you're going to have high blood pressure. Your arteries are getting cholesterol. And, all you, and you're not even on the cabinet with the president. You ain't even, you're just sitting there on, telling them off in front of your TV. How do I know that? Because that's what I've been doing. And the Lord said, what's wrong with you? Come up for air. Our job is to rejoice and do good and love people and love God and reach for those who are lost. 
Because my God's still on the throne. He's still king of kings. What does the word rejoice mean? Well, this, this word isn't for me because I've had a terrible week. This, it is for you. The word rejoice means to feel joyful. I don't feel that way. <laughs> to be delighted. I didn't either when I came in here, but I started preaching this and it got a hold of me. I feel pretty good. I really do. I'm, I'm just realizing he's God and I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes you get way out there. Oh, y'all are acting. You're going to act silly looking at me. I'll look right back at you. I'll start. I'll, you know, this morning in the first service, the people wouldn't say amen, and there was a dog, a service dog in the service, and the dog, when I'd get to preaching good, would say, oh, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you can't say amen, God will raise up the stones to say amen, but somebody's going to rejoice. Don't let, don't let a dog do more praising in church that you, than you do. And one time it got real quiet, and I said, don't make me have to walk back there and kick that dog. <laughs> it was very different, but enjoyable in a good way. The word rejoice means to be joyful. Not gloomy, doomy, sad, mad. But to rejoice means to be joyful, be delighted, be glad, to celebrate, to make merry, to be cheerful, to jump for joy, to be happy. I, I guess I want to say it like this. You've got a lot to be happy for. You've got a lot to be grateful for. You've got a lot that is good. How many of you know you've got a lot to be happy for? Would you rejoice just a moment that your name is written in the book of life? Would you rejoice just a moment of how far God really has brought you? And just because you lost your job, just because this week something bad happened, he will not resign from being your God. Even more so, he's drawn to you in the time of trouble. Rejoice. Rejoice. Turn to somebody and say, here's why you can rejoice. Say it. He saved you. I remember when we used to get so happy about salvation. People, I hate to embarrass visitors and stuff, but people not in this building, we're too sophisticated now, but in the old, old building, people used to run the aisles. They'd get, I'd just get up and say, Jesus, save me. And people would, wow, boom, bam, boom, tearing the building to pieces. One time a man ran into the sheetrock and left his imprint in it. Oh, hallelujah. Let's get back to what matters. I don't have my eyes on the Antichrist. I don't have my eyes on Washington. I don't want my eyes and my mind corrupted and pulled away from the simplicity of the fact that I'm born again, spirit-filled, on my way to a better land. And until, and until then, His grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. You know, when it's really dark, a five-watt bulb looks really bright. 
And the problem is the church is not shining the light because we're caught up in that stew of negativism. And the Holy Spirit is saying, get back to the simplicity of Jesus Christ and let your light so shine among men because even a little bitty five-watt bulb, if it's real dark, that thing can be seen like you wouldn't believe. And folks, it's getting really dark. It's dark in every way, but the good news is it's our finest hour. This is it. It's time to shine the light of the love of God like never before and rejoice and do good. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, there's a woman by the name of Dorcas. And the scripture said that this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, and she got sick. And when she got sick, they sent for the apostle Peter. And when he came, you know why they did that? Because she was doing so much good. The scripture said she would make, uh, she would make um, uh, throwovers and, and shawls and what do they call them? Where's that at? Uh, garments and tunics and that she would make them and, and hand them out. And, and she didn't do it with old, uh, old, old pickle face, you know, here. But, but she, was, she, she had something about her. Have you ever gone in like a cookie store or something and they just have fresh cookies and it's just amazing and it, the product is amazing what they're offering you, but there's some old kill joy behind the... That's kind of how the church is right now. You know, we got the greatest thing going. There ain't nothing better than the simplicity of Jesus Christ. He loves you. It's good news. It's good news. He forgives you. He loves you. He won't ever let you go if you'll come and put your life in his hands. We've got that, but we're doing it with it. And the Bible said that this woman died and they sent for the apostle Peter and they said, she does so many good things that we can't afford to let her go. I'm paraphrasing that. And you know what? He went and raised her from the dead. And they were having her funeral. And the Bible said they were wearing the clothes that she sewed for them. She would sew little dolls for orphans. She, would, she was full of good works. Listen to that. Rejoice and do good, full of good works. She, she said, I'm not a prophetess. I'm not a famous author. I don't, I'll never be on the front page of Charisma Magazine. I'll never be on Christianity Today. I'll never be on this and that. But you know what? I'm a good fashion designer here. And I, can, and, and I, th I, I think it wasn't just the fact that she handed those little children dolls or she handed those people, those women that she made little shawls and coverings for and quilts and things. But I think it was the spirit that she did it in that was so precious that she, because she was rejoicing and she was doing good. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says we are His workmanship. Listen to that. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. We're supposed to be helping people. We're supposed to be kind and we're supposed to be thoughtful and we're supposed to be involved and we're supposed to, if we see somebody in the grocery store and, and, and they get to the checkout and then 
they got a little family and you see they're struggling and they have more product and they say, well, let me put this back and let me put this back. Or the card gets rejected and you've got a pocket full of money. You've got a card that, that you know you can handle it. Why don't you just do a good work and you don't have to, you don't have to even witness. You just do a good work and say, let me get it, honey. Let me take care of this today and somebody will do it for me one day if I ever need it. And you know, Good works. I, I thank God for this church because we're doing good works. I, I don't talk about it like I ought to talk about it, but I, I, you just notice the, 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 the homeless all in our city right here. And we were able this year to give $1 million to the homeless center right over here. Uh, Long, uh, what's the name of it? I forgot. Good news. That's it. Good news at noon. Well, don't clap like a golfer clap or something. I mean, a million dollars, that's not our ministry. But it's good works. It's saying to those people, you're loved, you matter. Oh, God chose you from the foundation of the earth and somebody loves you. Somebody loves you. Oh, what a joy it is to do that. And I could go on and on and on. But I think about the ushers. I think about the volunteers behind these cameras. I think about the parking lot crew. Why are they doing that? They're obeying the gospel. They're rejoicing and they're doing good work. The people with our children, they're doing good work. He said in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen to this powerful scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Charge them that are rich. And I know all of you just relaxed because you said, well, that would, there's one thing. For, this one's not for me. Compared to the people in Haiti and most of the world, quite frankly, the greatest population. You just need to go travel some. You would be astounded. You don't know what poverty is. And he said, charge them that are rich in this world that they don't get high-minded. I'm better than everybody. Look at me, look at me. And not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. I love this part. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He doesn't put condemnation and shame. You got a beautiful car, got a beautiful house. You got it all. You got two or three of them. I don't care. God doesn't care. He says, I give it to you richly all things to enjoy. But then watch this. You charge them that they do good. Listen to this word. That they be rich in good works. That if to whom much is committed, much is required. So the more God commits to you, the more he says, be rich in good works. I don't care if you enjoy everything you're welcomed by, but be rich in good works. Ready to distribute, willing to communicate, to rejoice and give God the glory. Isn't that powerful? Titus 2 and verse 7, he says, Show yourself through a pattern of good works. The two secrets to being happy. Rejoice and do good. If you want to be happy for an hour, take a nap. If you want to be happy for a day, if you're a golfer, go golfing. If you're a fisher, go, fisherman, go fishing. If you're a shopper, go shopping. Uh, whatever it is that makes you happy for a day, if you want to be happy for a year, inherit a fortune. And boy, you'll enjoy all that money and it'll last about a year. But if you want to be happy for a lifetime, 
the two secrets to a happy life, rejoice and do good. Let's rejoice just a minute. I'm almost done, but, but listen to me. Titus 2.14. I mean, he ties the whole crucifixion to this purpose. Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. It's not he's going to when I get to heaven. I'm redeemed right now. That's why you ought to be rejoicing no matter what is going on in this world. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself. We're supposed to be a peculiar people. We're not supposed to be caught up in the craziness of our nation and our world. And God forgive me. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to be a peculiar people full of joy and cheerfulness, up praising me with a spirit of, of rejoicing on you that when the conversation goes negative, you go positive. When people get down, you're the one who picks them up. But then he says, and be zealous for good works. If you're really born again, something in you says, I need to help somebody. Titus 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, charge, I charge you and affirm that you affirm it constantly. Be careful to maintain good works. Don't start out and then just become someone who goes to church. But I want you to maintain a lifestyle of good works, of others, 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 others. Hebrews 10, let us provoke one another to love and to good works. Psalms 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Psalms 37, 27, depart from evil and do good. Galatians 6 and verse 10, as we have an opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Rejoice and do good. We're here to love people. We're here to rejoice and do good. So let me close with this. We are to do all the good we can by all the means we can, in all the ways we can, in all the places that we can, to all the people that we can, as long as we can. Rejoice. People of God, don't be like the world, down and defeated and overwhelmed and fearful and trembling. But rejoice that you are saved. You are delivered. And do good. Do good. I watched, I watched the Teresa Rogers. She, she's in a battle for her life. Pastor Dr. Rich Rogers on our staff here 
and she's part of our staff, and I've, I've just watched her, just watched her through every bit of the chemos and surgery and good news, bad news, good news, the pendulum. Just better days and horrible days. Just. But the thing that has astounded me about that woman is she, she just keeps rejoicing. She just keeps doing good. She did it at times when she couldn't even hardly stand to be here, but she would come and do good. Now, we would call her and say, don't, Teresa, don't. You just had chemo. Don't, don't, don't. That's what a Christian does. And the trial she's been through, it has not diminished her faith. She's more like Jesus than she's ever been. She's going to get a new body. One way or the other, she's going to get a new body. And it's not, God can do it right now. But either way, we win. You believe it? And I just feel like I stopped by today to say to everybody under the sound of my voice and the influence that don't be distracted from the simplicity of Christ. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a world we're headed for. Oh, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither Paul went there. He went to heaven and he said, neither has it entered into your heart what God has planned for his children. No sorrow, no death, no pain, no suffering, no sin, no temptation, no arguments, no broken families, no mental illness, no suicide, no wheelchairs, no leukemia, no cancer, no heart disease, none of it, none of it will be where we're going. Rejoice! And until the trumpet sounds too good, find somebody and pick them up, find somebody and love them, find somebody and help them, do good! You'll be fulfilling what I've called you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Stand to your feet, please, all over this room. No one moving, please. Just stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The world is dark, and it seems that it's getting darker. But the pendulum will, sw will swing. You just hold on to God and you keep rejoicing and you keep doing good. I hope you become full of this message and this week you hear these words over and over in your spirit. Rejoice and do good. Rejoice and do good. Rejoice and do good. This is God's instructions to you, His people, and His church. Do you know that this month the prison ministry that we have been dreaming of. We're gonna shoot these services recorded live right into the prisons. And there we're gonna have a teams from all of our campuses 
who are going to be there, worship teams and prayer teams. And, and every Sunday, we're going to have a new campus in a men's prison. They gave me notes, and I don't never read the notes. But it'll be opening two more free chapel prison campuses uh, in October and September. And we just secured a women's prison also. Oh, let's rejoice and do good. How many of you want God to use you? How many of you want to be somebody? It may not be a LED light. It may not be 120 bulb, but maybe all you've got is a five watt bulb. But you know, as it gets darker and darker, that five watt bulb's going to be a big deal. How many of you want to be a five or a 20 or whatever you're capable of? Raise your hand and say, God, I'll be a light in a dark world. I, I don't know why. I feel such compassion for the lost right now. I feel like under the sound of my voice are people who are just saying, I need to get to Jesus. I'm so far from him. I'm so lost. It's so dark, the world I'm living in. I'm so tired of this. I'm so weary from what sin has done to me and done for me and done in me. I, I'm not the person that I recognize anymore. I need a change in my life. I don't like this. I, I, want, I want light in my life again. Let the light in, they began singing this morning. This is your, your decision and your opportunity. If you'd say, Pastor Franklin, every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus. If you'd say, Pastor Franklin, I'm not right with God, but I really need His peace. I really need that power to overcome even when I'm overwhelmed and I can't find it in myself. I know it's only in Jesus. I present to you Jesus this morning. He will not turn you away, but you have to ask Him. And if that's you and you would say, Pastor, I need Him in my life. I need to get right with God. Raise that hand as high as you can get it all over this room. Fantastic. Every one of you that raised your hand, this won't take but three minutes. Get out of your seat and come stand right down here. As quick as you can come, this is the most important step you will ever take in your life. And don't talk yourself out of it. Don't work a compromise. Don't, don't, don't give up excuses now. Come on. Come on, this is your altar call. This is your service. You're going to rejoice when you leave here, and you're going to start doing good. Your life can count. Your life can matter. Come on, come on, come on, hurry. Hurry, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, come to the altar. Come now. Come now. And the rest of us, while they're coming, let's rejoice. Lift your hands and sing this song one time. And Fill the room with rejoicing. In the dark, dark world, rejoice and do good. Come on, if the Lord's drawing you to this altar. Come on. There's room at the cross for you. He loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll watch you. He's chosen you. Come on. Let the people of God rejoice this morning.
going to pray with every one of these in 30 seconds, but I believe there's about 20 more people, about 20 more people that are supposed to be in this altar. Will you come quickly? The king's business takes haste. When God speaks, you move. Are you missing? Jesus said, follow me, and he kept on walking. He didn't give them a lot of time to make up their mind. He just said, follow me, and that's what he's saying to somebody in this room. Follow me. Follow me to peace. Follow me to forgiveness. Follow me to good works. Follow me to a life that is happy because it's not based on temporal things. Come on. Lift up your voice. Every one of you down front and everybody under the sound of my voice as the pastors are coming at every campus, pray this prayer out loud, realizing that God's Word declares if you pray and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you shall be saved. Not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you've been good enough, but because He loves you. And there's nothing you can do or have done that makes Him not love you. As a matter of fact, He loves you even more. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable how relentless His love is that it's pursued you and pursued you and pursued you. And it brought you to this moment so pray this prayer and mean it from your heart. And God will hear it and the angels in heaven will hear it. And your name's going to be written. And you're going to be extended eternal life through Jesus Christ. You're going to be ready for eternity. Pray this prayer. Everybody in this room, say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful. I rejoice because I found life when I found Jesus. And Lord, I believe in you. I believe the gospel. I believe it's the only hope of the world. And today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for never giving up. And thank you, Lord, that from this day forward, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try to rejoice and do good. You can count on me to rejoice and do good. Now praise him because he just, he just cleared you. He just pronounced you are forgiven. Do you love him today? We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.